have you ever wanted to guest on a podcast like this one that you're listening to right now? Well, you can. You can definitely do this by visiting a website called Podmatch, where you can sign up and be available for all different types of podcasts that you can guest on. Or you can even search for a podcast and say, I want to I want to guest on your podcast. I think we'd be a good match. So if you want to do this, you can go to our unique link, which is joinpodmatch.com forward slash reality. And you can sign up and do exactly that. And you can find us and you can guest on our podcast. So again, that unique link is www.joinpodmatch.com. That's J-O-I-N-P-O-D-M-A-T-C-H.com forward slash reality, R-E-A-L-I-T-E-A. And you can be a guest on our podcast. Welcome to Reality Tea Times 2, the podcast where we discuss all the trash reality TV we love to hate. I'm Tanika, and today we're going to be talking about the other way. But before we do, we have some hot goss uh, slash announcement, I guess, in a way. So we don't have any memes to discuss in the episode there will be a couple of them uh, posted to the socials so you can take part in that, but there won't be any memes discussed on the episode. Just, you know, you need to see it. You don't need me to read it. <laughs> um, but we'll jump into the announcements. Um, well, hot goss slash announcement, because of course, we're going to be covering what is next, which is 90 Day OG. It's coming back. And the uh, couples have been announced. I watched the trailer. The trailer looks fantastic. If you haven't seen it, you can go on to, well, I'm sure you can go on either Instagram or Twitter, X, whatever the hell it wants to be called these days. It, it's there as well. It's it's real good. It's real good. I'm really excited for it. But if you haven't heard anything yet about who's going to be on it, we're going to discuss it right now. So we have all new couples except for one, which is our first couple that we're going to talk about. Gino and Jasmine, they're going to be on OG. Um, I feel like I needed a tiny break from them, but I guess not. Um, but, ooh, ooh. so yeah, we have them. We don't have anything we need to discuss about them, right? But for the others, we were going to go into a little bit of their backstory a little bit. And because uh, they're new. So we have Sophie, who's 23, and Robert, who is 32. So 
their backstory here is it's all about the money with Sophie and Robert. Um, the new couple met online, eventually committed to each other when they met in person. Now, Sophie is moving from the UK to Los Angeles, where she's expecting a life of Hollywood glamour. What Sophie doesn't realize until it's too late is that Robert is from a humble background and the glitz and glam she's imagined in America may not be within reach. Okay. Next couple, we have Manuel, who is 34. I think it's Manuel. Anyway, uh, he's 34. And Ashley, who is 31. Ashley and Manuel have known each other for more than 10 years. Though their paths tore them apart after they met at a New Year's Eve party in Ecuador. Sorry, we're going to reread that. There's no punctuation in the sentence. Though their paths tore them apart, comma, after they met at a New Year's Eve party in Ecuador way back in 2010, they found their way back back together. Manuel is moving to America in hopes of a happily ever after with his longtime one star crossed love. But will the years of distance have created unseen rifts for the pair? Yes, we'll see. Now we have Nick, who's 30, and Devin, who's 23. Nick is leaving the Outback for his girlfriend, Devin, who is the American, but his future doesn't look entirely perfect. After meeting on Tinder, they fell in love quickly. And three weeks in person led to a K-1 visa. Nick and Devin are still getting to know each other, as they all are, as he touches down in the U.S. Most importantly, he's also getting to know her opinionated family who could throw a wrench in their plans to marry fast. A lot of the same tropes, right? We have Justin, who's 36, and Nikki, who is 47. Nikki and Justin spent nearly two decades apart. Wait, what? <laughs> Sorry, I just read that. Um, uh, what? <laughs> Nearly two decades apart when it made him 16 years old. What am I reading? I I read this, but I that completely went over my head. Um, okay, let's read. Okay. Nikki and Justin spent nearly two decades apart when he admitted he couldn't accept that Nikki is trans. But distance makes the heart grow fonder, as it did for the pair. 17 years after they met on a dating site, fuck's sakes, in Moldova, Justin has a more mature understanding of Nikki's gender identity and is moving to America for a shot at love. For the couple, it's a fresh start. But will they hold true to their commitment to leave the past in the past? Yeah. Well. Um, next, we have Anali. Anali. It might be Anali. She's 26, and Clayton, who's 29. A language barrier and a future mother in law pose the biggest threats to Anali and Clayton's relationship as he moves from Peru to Kentucky. After meeting on a language app, the pair bonded in a few short weeks, but Annalie may not be on the same page as Clayton when it comes to sharing space with, space with his mother. She's shocked to learn he has no plans to move into his own place, leaving Annalie at odds with the other woman in her new home. Can we say Colts and Larissa and Debbie? That's what it's giving me. 
Next, and I believe the last couple, we have Citra, who's 26, and Sam, who's 30. Citra and Sam want to be together, but their loved ones may not agree. It's not just Citra coming from Indonesia to America. Her father is traveling too. And this throws a second timeline in the mix. Fans know the couple must wait in 90 days for Citra to keep her visa, but they have just two weeks to win the blessing of Citra's father, who is about to learn about Sam's sordid past. Oh boy. So that's that for that. 90 Day Fiance OG season comes, well, season 10, um, premieres October 8th. So that kind of lines up. We have three more weeks of being 90. So that, um, that lines up, but I have photos of everybody. Um, I'll post that to the socials as well. So you can take part in what they look like. Um, yeah, but that's it for hot goss, for announcements, it's it for everything on top of the episode. We're going to jump in to the reason that we are here. The Other Way, Season 5, Episode 10, In Laws and Order. Oh, God. I, I hate... Uh, okay, let's, let's just go into it. TJ and Kimberly. So, after the big blow-up in the fighting between TJ, Yash, parents, well, more mother, dad didn't say anything, um, TJ kind of goes upstairs after Kimberly and... Um, you know, he kind of, he's just overwhelmed at this point. He feels like no one's thinking about him in this moment um, and how he feels. Right now, he says to Kimberly that he doesn't want to talk to anybody. He just wants to be, I guess, left alone at this point. Kim says they have seen her in these jeans before because she does learn now from TJ that the reason that this big fight ever happened in the first place was because of these jeans. So she tells us that she has worn these jeans before. Um, so doesn't quite understand why there's an argument now. Um, and uh, feels that the reason that there's this argument and that they're pinpointing this is because of Yash talking shit to the, to the parents now, here's where I'll still say, even if they've seen you in these jeans before, which I don't think they should have ever seen you in these jeans personally, um, there's just a certain level of respect that you wear something that is going to cover. You should be presenting yourself in a certain light when we're talking about your fiance's family or whatever. It's just, it's from again, I'm coming from a standpoint of I come from a background where that's very important, um, that you have to think about what's happening around you and not present yourself in such a way where they're going to feel a certain way about it. They may have always felt un- like not liking these jeans before, but just chose to not say anything to make her feel uncomfortable. Yes, now they have a drive to say something, but you have to be careful about what you're doing. So like, I just don't quite understand like her logic there. I'm not trying to take away from the fact that yes, they're clearly starting an argument with you because of Yash and what he's saying, but just don't wear the fucking jeans. Just don't wear them. Don't wear them in front of them. 
just don't do it. If you want to wear it in your apartment where no one else is seeing you besides yourself and TJ, then fine. But don't fucking wear those in front of his family. It's just, just don't do it. That's what I, that's, that's what I'm coming from again, a standpoint where I just would not do that. And I would kind of look at a person who were to do that in front of me. If they're like, if my brother brought someone home or something and she was wearing cut up jeans like that, I would be like, the fuck? I would think that way as well. I mean, I say it to her, but I'm going to say it to my brother or my mom. I say it to my brother after she leaves, being like, what the fuck is she wearing? You know what I mean? So just think about that. But anyway. She does say to TJ that, listen, this issue doesn't involve you, doesn't involve your parents, involves me and Yash, and this is something that me and him have to sort through on our, on our own. Um, she does apologize for putting TJ in the situation. She says, physically, though, I cannot be in an environment like this, like she had mentioned to the camera during the fight in the last episode. Um... And she says, you know, maybe it's a good idea that I'm going to be going to a hotel tonight. So it turns out that she's not dipping because of this fight. She actually, per Hindu traditions, is leaving because she tells us that for Hindu weddings, you actually have to, like, the bride and groom cannot be together or can't see each other before the actual wedding ceremony unless it is for occasions having to do with the wedding then you see each other then but otherwise you can't see each other so this is why she's the one leaving and going to a hotel which i think is probably makes the most sense um so she's getting ready to leave cars waiting for her she does say that she had hoped to have solved this issue before leaving but she feels like they don't want to solve anything. So then TJ says, hold on before you go. And she's just ready to leave at this point. She's like, no, I want to go. And he's like, no, hold on. So he brings her back up to like the front door area and tells Yash, come over here. She's leaving. Do you, do you want to say anything to her? Do you want to say goodbye to her or whatever? Like he's trying to be this bridge between the two to try and get somewhere. This fucking guy literally says to her, or says, well, says to him, says to her, I can't say goodbye to her. She doesn't want me to touch her. And Kimberly is trying to say, trying to speak kind of over TJ, over Yash, saying, you don't have to touch me to say goodbye to me. You can just say goodbye. Like, you don't have to touch me. She doesn't want him touching her. And that is her right. That is her boundary that she has set. And he just keeps talking over kind of both TJ and him are kind of talking over what she's saying. And he's like, well, she won't let me touch you. Why do you need to fucking touch her? Like, I'm starting to like tinfoil hat theory here. I'm starting to kind of be like, sir, are, do you want to fuck her or something? Like that's where my mind is going because why the fuck do you need to continuously touch her? Why do you need to touch? Why? At, at the end of the day, if I was in a situ- similar situation with my boyfriend and, you know, his family, because he has a brother, okay, same situation here, he has a brother, um, and 
what if his brother is kind of like, oh, well, I can't say goodbye to her because she doesn't want me touching her. The fuck? No, I don't. I don't want someone who is not my boyfriend, not my that that person in my life touching me. Really and truly, the only person I allow to actually touch me, in all honesty, is my boyfriend. Yes, maybe I'll hug my family from whatever, but I'm not much of a hugger. I used to be more when I was younger, but I'm not much of a hugger now. Um, so the really and truly the only person that I allow who has a pretty much blanket invitation to touch me is my boyfriend. I don't want his brother touching me. I don't even think he would want his brother touching me. So what is this whole thing with Yash continuously needing to touch Kimberly? I'm confused. I'm very confused. And again, like, I know we can say, oh, culture, 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 but we've seen plenty of Indian men now on these shows, well, not plenty, but we've seen enough. We've we've had Samit, we've had Rishi. I don't remember them having to necessarily touch everything besides the person that they're with. I myself have dated Indian men in my past. I never felt like they had to continuously touch me. You know what I mean? It's very weird how he continuously needs to touch her. I don't think it's a cultural thing here. I think it's a control thing. I think he can't handle the fact that this woman says, don't fucking touch me. And he can't handle it. Either that or he wants to fuck her. It's so weird. Why the fuck do you need to touch her? Just don't just say, use your words. Use your words. You learn from a young age. Use your words. Please use your words. Use your words and say goodbye to her. That's all. She, that's all he wants here. Anyway. It's completely unsuccessful. Teacher says, forget it. And that's, they walk away. Kimberly's going to leave now. So she does kind of say here that she does want an apology from Yash. She won't accept anything less. She basically says, like, if I were to kind of say, you know what, all is good in the world, that's basically saying that he's right, I'm wrong. And I'm not wrong is basically what she's. I think you're both wrong. <laughs> I'm not saying she's innocent in the things that she said. And he is not innocent in the things that he said. So they're both very similar kind of people in the way they think. And they both have to be right. So then in, in that case, it's like, well, no one, you want to be right? Or you want to be happy? Yes, I quote Dr. Phil again, guys. <sighs> Don't judge me. <laughs> so anyway. So then she then says, and this is again, literally in this moment, TJ's right beside her. And she says, he clearly doesn't want me here. So he can suck my dick. Oh my God. TJ's face when she says this. If he had pearls, he would have clutched them. And he literally says, I don't want to talk anymore. He has nothing else to say. Um, She says that she's done. And she doesn't want to get married to this family. But she loves TJ. And she wants to marry him. So what do you do? Right? I don't know. 
So in the next scene that we see with, well, just Kimberly at this point, um, she tells us that she hasn't spoken to TJ. She's now in the hotel. Um, not sure if it's the next day or not. That wasn't quite clear, but, but he did, he did talk to her briefly just to ask how she was, how she was feeling. Her dad and stepmom are showing up today. And she's emotional about this. She's not too sure if she's ready to see them. So we do see her parents are showing up in the hotel. We see her coming out of the elevator to meet them in the lobby. And, of course, they hug, say hi, all that. And at one point, her stepmom, Lisa, does ask how her week's been going. Kimberly doesn't answer this question, but she does acknowledge that the question was asked. Um, but she chose to, I guess, ignore it or act like she didn't hear it because she doesn't know what to say. She doesn't know what to say to her stepmom at this moment. And because um, it hasn't been going good, right? Um, anyway, her parents are going to go upstairs drop off their luggage she's staying down in the lobby waiting for them to come back down she sits down and she's just crying um yeah she's she's just very emotional she's scared to tell them anything about what's been going on because she feels like they will be hard on tj and she says that he isn't doing anything wrong um, and she's worried that they will basically kind of say to her, like, well, you need to come back home. So they're driving to their destination, which is going, they're going to be going to, uh, I guess like a little boutique where they can get like different clothes and fabrics and whatnot for the wedding. Um, they're very excited about seeing cows in the middle of the road. <laughs> Um, apparently they have seen, I think like four of them already since they've landed. Um, she tells them that there are certain colors that they need to pick out. She has explained to us in the, in the, in the, in and in the moment that there are certain colors that need to be worn during Hindu weddings. Um, she, I I couldn't quite catch everything she said that they had to like wear in terms of the coloring but she does say like one color has to represent like the sun so it has to be like bright colors um so we see them trying on some different clothing um and she is she kind of says again she's worried to tell them um about what's going on but they do finally sit down and we're gonna get into the talk so she tells them that, you know, her first day, her and teacher got into an argument, but they fixed that. They worked that out because they can't communicate, she says. However, <laughs> she says that things have gotten a little more worse because her and Yash got into the fight. She explains to them that he was calling her name, saying she was 
stupid and not respecting her culture, even though she needs to respect their culture. So she's kind of going into everything. And she says that because of this, Yash has kind of now turned parents against her. So it's just not a really great situation in the moment. And she says to them that she doesn't know if she wants to get married. Um, She says, like, they want me to live with them, but they don't respect who I am as a person. That's definitely true, but I also don't think she respects how they live. Because all of this argument really and truly started because she can't get over the fact that she can't cook with onions and garlic. Okay, so... um. She says, I want to marry him, but it's hard because her and TJ don't have any issues, but the issues lie with the family. But as I said, while watching this, the first time that I watched it, um, I said at the exact same time that her father said, I'm like, but you do have issues. Your issues might not be with TJ. But you're, you have issues nonetheless because you now have issues with your future in-laws, which is now going to affect the relationship that you have with TJ. So yes, you have issues. And the thing is, it's like, again, although you can kind of the best you can protect your relationship from it, it's really hard to do that, though, when you live with them. You live in the same place. So you can't remove yourself from the situation, have your little sanctuary away from it. You live there. So there's always going to be this friction. And then let's not forget, there are things that TJ hasn't told her. So how the fuck does this family expect her to basically become a maid when she says, I do to this man? When they treat her like absolute shit. But the thing is just she doesn't know that yet. Right? Um, and again, I use maid. I don't I know this is traditional. This is what happens. I'm not disrespecting the culture. I know this is what happens. But in a sense, that's how she's gonna feel. She's gonna feel like she's taking on these roles that number one, she has no fucking clue about, and number two, she's not gonna want to do it. Like she literally said to him in an earlier episode, that shit is for the birds, right? So, um, so yeah, dad says like you indirectly have an issue here, right? With, with TJ. So he says you need to have a a healthy living situation, especially when you are coming into a new marriage that you need to be able to have that, that foundation of a healthy living situation so you can help your marriage thrive, it's not going to thrive under these situ- under the situation. Um, he doesn't feel that she should be foregoing her individuality for this relationship to work out. He says maybe postponing the wedding needs to happen. See if you can work on the problems. But if you can't, you don't have to stay here, he says. We can get you a ticket to go back home. But she says that she doesn't know. Um, and, you know, I guess we'll kind of figure it out. But they hug. 
family, the, well, her and her parents, they hug. And that's basically it. It's basically it for TJ and Kimberly this week. It's very TJ Kimberly heavy this this week, I found. Um, but yeah, on to the next. We have Shekinah, basically just Shekinah. We'd have had no Sarper this week. Um, but let's get into it. So she's packing. Y'all, she's packing on the day that she's leaving. Crazy person is what I have to say. Um, her sister is here. She's going to be taking her to the airport. Um, but also now she's expected to help pack. Um, her sister's name is, uh, I don't know who cares, but anyways, she, (laughs) she will be actually going to Turkey about a week after she kind of gets there because she's going to be meeting Sarper. So what we also find out here is that her daughter, her daughter's name is Sophie, is also going to be heading to boarding school, boarding school, on the same day. So they're, she's going one way, the daughter's going the next way. So that's what's happening. Um, her sister says that she's happy for her, but she is worried because of the things that she has been told about Sarper. Of course, she kind of is like, what do you mean? Well, here's what she means. She means because apparently Serper has used the terminology of I am the alpha. <laughs> if a man told me this shit about I am the alpha, I'd be like, yeah, you can then fuck off. That's what you can do. Ain't no man going to tell me he's the fucking alpha. This fucking guy told her he's an alpha. And she seems to be okay with that. She literally says, um, well, you know, he was like upset. And I thought that was so cute. So a man basically telling you, I'm the alpha. Not even fucking Andre has said shit like that. Um, but he literally says that he is the alpha and you think it's fucking adorable. You're... She talks this talk about, oh, you know, I've learned like from my mistakes in previous relationships and I've like, you know, seen the red flags and know what I should and shouldn't. The fuck you do. You haven't learned shit because you're literally doing the same thing again with this fucking guy. This fucking, this fucking guy. (laughs) Like, you know what I mean? Anyway, her sister does not think that's cute. Her sister thinks that's it's immature. Thank you. I'm 100% it's immature. Um, and it's gross. <laughs> she does say also that clearly, here with her sister says this, that his authority has had an effect on her because they have never shared anything about their relationship on their social media. So again, I mean, here's the thing. I don't give a shit about that kind of stuff to know that I'm in a relationship. I don't need to share my relationship on Instagram or Facebook or whatever the fuck to basically say I'm in a relationship. I don't care. That's, I don't need to do that. I just don't. 
people who need to know know. People who don't need to know don't. They don't really need to know. You know what I mean? That that's how I feel. I actually like to have some sort of privacy in my life. So that's why, like, I just don't do that. I've never really done that a whole lot in relationships. Um, and that's kind of something I've grown to over time in my life. Y'all are 40-something years old. Why do you need to share this shit on, on fucking? Because because that's who they are. That's the thing. I have to remind myself that these are different people than me. <laughs> but But again, what I will say, though, is in my previous relationship, and again, let me preface, both me and him in the beginning of our relationship were very young. We were 21, 22, so we were very young. Um, and I was more comfortable with sharing my relationship out there to social media or whatever the case may be. I was more comfortable doing it um, at the time than I am now. I was like, I don't care. It's something I think about. But he wasn't. He did to me what Sarper's doing to her. And he said, no, girls are going to talk. Girls are going to get mad. You know, because he was from, he's, you know, he was from Jamaica, obviously. He, as I mentioned previously, he was deported back, but he was from there. He was, you know, very out there with women. I'm sure he still is. That's his business. But that's kind of why, because he was still connected with those people. And he'd be like, oh, they're going to talk. They're going to get jealous and this and that. And I'm just like, the fuck? This is what happened to me. And usually it's because he's still fucking around. My ex, maybe not in the very beginning of our relationship, but at some point he did start fucking around. Um, and if a guy has to literally say, oh, you know, girls are going to talk or, you know, they're going to tell you that I'm a bad guy, who fucking gives a shit? You know what I mean? Um, but anyway, this apparently is a problem. Shekinah has kind of adapted to not sharing things on her social media about their relationship. And her sister kind of says, like, clearly it's had an effect on you because you're you're listening to him. Apparently, Shekinah is going to address this when she gets to Turkey immediately, she says, so that she can start doing that. It's not going to go well. I can tell you this already. This guy's literally telling you he's an alpha. It's not going to go well. But what she also says is that it will help build my trust if I can do that because it shows me that he's willing to show me off to people and it will help with the trust that I have for him. That's fair. I hear that. But this guy has literally only been faithful to you for the past 79 days. Honey, he's been cheating on you. I'm just going to say that. Anyway, um, she then says, listen, let's not forget the things that I want him to change. She says that she wants him to stop smoking. Okay, that's great. I'm on 100% behind that. Um, cut out the bad shit. Um, but then she also says, and you know what else he can't do? He also can't train women. Oh, fuck. So fuck. Do you think men are going to him? I'm sure there are some men going to him who want to look like him. But I'm sure most of his clientele are women. Like, let's be real here. 
Um, apparently he has been told this, but there's no fucking way he's listening to her. Let's be very real here. Um, and she says, like, you know, you know, women can get crushes on their trainers. And he's so attractive, you know? So, like, I don't want them, you know, thinking they can have a piece of him. And I think to myself, okay, yes, a woman can have a crush on their trainer, sure. Um, but the problem doesn't lie with those women. The problem lies with him. And the fact that you literally say he can't train women and you're trying to push the blame, I guess, onto the woman, it's not them, it's him. Because you fucking know that this guy has fucked so many women. I'm sure she doesn't even know the true number. I guarantee you he hasn't told her the true number and the stories he's just told us. I'm sure now she knows, but at the time she didn't know. I guarantee there's no way in fucking hell this girl knew. Um, and yeah, like this guy was fucking brides that like he was dancing for in the bachelorette party. You know, he's the problem and it's not the women. She then says, yeah, so when you come to Turkey, you'll be able to get the family a positive report. And her sister's like, wait, like, no, I can't give the family a positive report unless he gives me a reason to give them a positive report. Her sister is definitely very level-headed here for the most part. So now we are off to the airport. Her daughter Sophie's in the back seat. And, you know, they are kind of talking here about stuff and Shahira does tell us in her in the moment that um she has gone to boarding school before she went to boarding school her last year of high school because she was homeschooled you know hence the Amish lifestyle and all that um she was homeschooled for the first you know few years there of high school so she went to boarding school in her last year she thought that it was great it helped her excel and all that her daughter then in this moment says i think you're too relaxed about things with server so apparently she says like her daughter was actually really happy with the idea of server but now it doesn't look like she is she says, like, I heard the whole comment about the alpha thing upstairs. And she says, like, if someone told me something like that, I would be done. Her 15-year-old daughter has more common sense than her. So Shekinah is a little bit unhappy here because she says to her sister, fuck, like, why did you have to say anything? Like, she was actually happy about Sarper. Now she's not. I don't want her having any doubts when, you know, I'm going to Turkey now. I don't want her to have any doubts about Sarper. Okay, so here's what I want to say. Ma'am, wasn't it not you who told us that you are 100% open about your relationships with your daughter? Or did you not? You talk a talk about how you do these things to show your daughter what a relationship should look like, yet you're not giving her the full picture. You're just not. You're now lying to your daughter 
for your personal gain here. And that's okay if you want to lie to your daughter or keep things from your daughter because, you know, it's not every little thing is her business. That's fine. I'm not saying that. But then don't tell me that you're being 100% open and honest with your daughter because you're not. So anyway, her daughter here, Sophie, does say that. They have a different type of relationship. They have more of a sisterly relationship than a motherly relationship, mother-daughter relationship. Okay. There's a time and there is a place to have a sisterly type relationship with your daughter when they are 15 years old, isn't it? I fully believe like, yes, you're, you should be able to make, just it needs to be a happy medium. You have to make sure that you're, and again, I'm not a parent, but I, I go based on how I feel like I would parent my child. I would take things that I've experienced as a child um, and take the good things or change some things that I didn't like or didn't appreciate as growing up as a uh, the single mother. And my single mother does what the best they can, right? Um, so there's, I go based on that. So I feel like my I want my children to know that they can come to me with anything, no judgment, right? No judgment at all. I want them to make sure that they can feel comfortable coming to me, going to their father, and being 100%. You know, just tell me it all. I'd rather know it all so I know how to protect you. But at the same time, I am still their mother. And I am still going to act like your mother. I'm not going to act like your best friend. There has to be this happy medium. And I guarantee that's not what's happening here. I guarantee she'll kind of kind of parents on in a, in a way where I'm going to treat you like an adult, even though you're not. And I've seen how that can also affect a child. And it doesn't always work. So, yeah, that's that's what I'm coming from. And I'm just like, ooh, <laughs> that's how, that's how I feel. Um, she also says that she hopes that her mother doesn't overlook the red flags, and that she follows her own advice, one hundred percent. Yep. So Sophie's off to boarding school, and um. Shekinah says that this relationship has to work. It has to work out. Why? Because you'd be embarrassed if it didn't. That's probably why. But anyway, it has to work out. She says, taking risks for love. It's who she is. It's who she is, y'all. She's not leaving room for the what ifs. For the what if this doesn't work. She's just not. She's going to jump into this head first. And, uh, yeah, all's going to be right in the world. But we're going to take a little break here. And when we come back, we're going to jump in with Kenny and Armando. This was fun. This was fun. This is what I want to see with Kenny and Armando. Um, so, yeah, we'll be jumping in with them when we come back. Do you want to spice up? your love life well you can make that happen 
by going to Love Shop where you can get sorts of different things, whether it's for both you and your partner or just for yourself. For solo play, you can get things, all types of vibrators, maybe more kinky type toys, or you can just buy what every person may need, like lingerie or protection, or even just something to make it a little more fun, like games or novelty things. You can do all of this by going to Love Shop, and you can use our unique coupon code REALITYT2 to get 10% on anything your hearts desire. So that's loveshop.ca, L-O-V-E-S-H-O-P dot C-A, and use our unique coupon code REALITY2, that's R-E-A-L-I-T-E-A, and the number 2. We are back. So we're going to jump in with Kenny and Armando. So mom and Hannah, they're going to be leaving today to go back to San Felipe. Um, This is something that Hannah does every year in the summertime. She spends time with her grandparents, her aunt, um, for a few weeks. So... Mom says that she wouldn't feel happy about them potentially moving to Mexico City. However, she would be happy about the potential of a new baby. So they've left. Now it's just Kenny and Armando. And they're actually going to explore what Mexico City has to offer, especially for the LGBT LGBTQA plus community. Um, so they're going to be going to gay club. Kenny tells us that because Armando is from a small town in Mexico, he hasn't actually had much exposure to a gay club. Um, later, Armando says that he has never been to a gay club before. This was his first time. So they're going to go and do that. I noticed maybe I was wrong in this, but it definitely looked like Freddie Mercury. There was like a painting of Freddie Mercury on the wall of this gay club, and I loved it. I absolutely love Freddie Mercury. I love Queen. So I'm, yeah. Um, Amando says that he is nervous, um, but Kenny told him, you're home. I loved that. You are. Like, yeah, this is definitely nerve-wracking. I can understand because this is a new experience. He hasn't done something like this before. Um, but you are home. You're you're in a place where, you know, you should be safe. You should be able to be your true authentic self. Obviously, you know, going into a darker territory, there's always going to be something or someone who's going to come and just create a dark cloud over something that they either just don't understand, don't respect, or whatever, you know? But in the grand scheme of things, I loved what he said here. So, 
in walks a sexy man doing a just doing a strip number. Yeah, he's a cop, and of course the clothes come off. Um, as Kenny says, it's all gonna come off. His body is incredible. The ass on this man. Oof. Anyway, um, Armando says that he's embarrassed to look, but he does secretly love this. Um, he's trying to not disrespect Kenny. Then the stripper comes down and he is dancing with both of them. He first dances on Kenny and then he dances on Armando. Armando says that he is loving it, but just pretending not to, again, to respect Kenny. Um, but he says the stripper was eating him up and he says, you know, I could have eaten him up too, you know? So we kind of see him like he's touching the stripper's butt and he's just loving life. He says, you know, I'm crazier than you think. <laughs> yes, Armando. Like, I love him. I love them both so much. And this is everything that we need their storyline to have. So we'll see where it goes from here. But that's basically it for Kenny and Armando. Again, as usual, not a whole lot with them. Um, so now we're going to talk about Holly and Wayne. Again, not a whole lot to talk about with them, but here we go. So right at the beginning of the opening scene, we see some men playing soccer. And as a girlfriend of a South African man who I do not come first in his life, soccer does. So I'm like, oh, yeah, of course. Of course, we see some men just playing some soccer. Um, But so, yeah, that's how we know. We are in South Africa with them. So they're in the car and Wayne has this really dumb dad joke that he has to tell Holly, which for those who didn't watch the episode basically goes like this. What do you call a tick that goes to the moon? A lunatic. I was like, wow, that is so dumb. It's so dumb. It was funny. But it was like funny them. Yeah. So Wayne is gonna be taking Holly out for dinner. They're gonna be making up for the fight that they had um at uh, his office. So they sit down, Wayne says to Holly, um, I need to come clean about some stuff. So he says that, you know, work has been bad, you know. He has debt that's outstanding. He says it's not like horrible, but it's not good, right? He says that he has people on his back for loans that he needs to pay back. So that's interesting verbiage that he had. Is it that he's just trying to say that, you know, the banks are coming after him for these loans? Or did he get sketchy loans? Like, did he go to like a loan shark and this is, you know, them trying to get their money back? Just because of the fact that he invested in crypto 
makes me wonder, okay, so what have you been really up to here? Which then, as actually my mom said while we were watching the episode, kind of says, you know, that's interesting because he has these people coming and breaking into his home quite frequently, right? Now, we know that, like, again, South Africa, was we've been told many, many times now, that it's not the safest place to be in, especially in Joburg. It's not the greatest place. Um, if you're not in a gated community, well, then, you know, the risk is just that much more when you have these outages. But what if it's just, there's more to it than that? Because what is it about his home that people keep coming after him? They come after him. They break into the home while she's there. They break into the home again while he, well, when she left. I feel there's another time that they broke into his home. They, you know, trigger warning for animal death. They kill his dog. It's, it's making me wonder if, these are warnings. You know what I mean? It's it's kind of interesting. Now, again, this is my tinfoil hat theory here, but that's just really interesting to me. Um, she mentions that because she was poor growing up, she doesn't want to live like that now as an adult. So that's why it's very important to her to be financially stable. She also says like she can't work until she gets her visa obviously so there's no con- she can't contribute to the home which he said is for him it is an added stressor um because now it's not just about him it's also about her and for the next two fucking months his mother or her mother sorry so it's just i get it um he feels like he's less of a man because he's not able to be financially stable. Now, here's my thing is everyone runs into situations, right? I don't feel like, and I'm talking here, you know, heterosexual relationships, man, woman here in in this particular case, it shouldn't be women kind of being like, oh, you know, how dare thee have debt when you have debt yourself? You know what I mean? And you you just, there has to be the understanding. Now, I've been with people who haven't always been financially stable, you know, have had ebbs and flows when it comes to their finances, and that's fine. But There needs to be that outright understanding. There needs to be that upfront discussion that he hasn't had with her. As long as she knows and then she makes her decision from that point, then if she sticks around, then you know, then it's meant to be. If she doesn't, well, then you've dodged a bullet, correct? That's how I feel. But you have to tell her the truth. She deserves to know the truth. And the fact that he hit it because he's like, I'm afraid you wouldn't have come. Well, that's so that's a tad manipulative. Whether you mean for it to be that way or not, that's how it, it, it comes across. Because you're not allowing her to think for herself. You're, you're thinking for her now, you know. He says, you know, if I have to work three jobs 
in order to support you, I will do that. She is upset that he didn't tell her this before she moved, obviously. She's worried about his debt now. That's understandable. She's concerned that if he is not good with his money, that landed him in the situation in the first place. Like, is he just not handling his finances right? Maybe. Maybe. I think any man who, well, not even any man, any person who decides, you know, investing 40K into crypto is a great idea. It's probably not good with their money. So, um, and she does say that it takes money to be safe in South Africa. It's not just South Africa, though, honey. It's everywhere. Everywhere requires money in order to be safe. Again, I know I'm coming from just a different place because I am with someone who is South African, who is from Joburg, um, and who I've had these conversations with. You know, he's been in my life for now six years, so I am a little biased here. But I'm sick and tired of this narrative of, oh, South Africa is just so dangerous, and you know, and I'm not discounting that Joburg is dangerous in comparison to other places, but there's always the beauty within that, right? There's always something. And I'm tired of this narrative that 90 Day Fiance keeps selling us and we've been getting now since Ronald and Tiffany. So pretty over it. But anyway, that's it for Holly and Wayne for this week. So next... Last but not least, we are with Danielle and Johan. So today she gets her real name because she she was pretty good on this episode. I I thought she handled herself very well. So kudos to you. Okay, so let's get into it. So they are going to be going out to dinner. And he pretty much decides decided that because they struggle with communication, he decided to bring along a translator or an interpreter. So yeah, she has no clue about it. He basically walks in with the, the interpreter and she's like, the fuck. And when he finally says what she's here for, she says, oh, okay, I was relieved because I wasn't sure if you're, like, trying to say that she's going to come in. We're going to have, like, a threesome. Okay, so let me just say this right now. No shame, by the way, okay? No no shame, no judgment, no nothing. But the fact that she literally went to that means that, she, y'all, she'd be down for it. <laughs> like, this is something that has crossed her mind before. So, but anyway, no threesome. This poor woman's like, oh, my God god so yeah um he says that he through the interpreter says to danielle that he would like to wait in terms of going the fertility route of the donor egg and everything um he says he wants to try for maybe another four or five months naturally to see if anything happens now I don't know what he thinks is going to happen. This woman is in her early 40s. She's probably going through perimenopause. Like, that's just what happens at this point. Not to say that it's impossible, 
but they've done the test. They've run the test. Her chances of getting pregnant, even with a donor egg, is starting to dwindle. So I don't understand why he wants to wait. Like, she's appeasing him fine, but, like, I don't understand what he's not understanding here. And I feel like all that does is just put more pressure on her. And the more pressure that is on us as women when we're trying to get pregnant um, is just, it's, it's not going to happen. You really, it's, it's, and it's so difficult. It's so difficult because it's like you tell yourself, okay, don't think about it. Don't stress about it. Don't do any of those things. Just be natural about it. But at the same time, you have to think about it, you know? So it's just adding more pressure. And it's like, it's, if it happens for them, perfect. But I feel like this is not going to happen that way, you know? But anyway, she tells him it's been really hard for her. Because every time she experiences some sort of normal symptom that all women go through. Now, obviously, I'm sure most of my listeners are probably women. I'm sure I have some men out there, maybe. But if there's any men out there, let me break this down for you. A lot of the symptoms that women experience before, during, maybe sometimes even after their period, depending, is all very similar to pregnancy symptoms. So here she says that, you know, if I have sore boobs or if my stomach hurts or, you know, anything like that, which are all normal symptoms for either or, which is why for women, sometimes when we think it's just period symptoms, it's actually not your period or vice versa. So she says every time that I experience something like that and she clearly vocalizes, because I do the same thing, I'll vocalize to my boyfriend like, oh, my boobs hurt or oh, I don't feel good or I feel nauseous or whatever. Um, and the luckily, thank God, he doesn't always be like, oh, maybe you're pregnant. Like sometimes, yes, you know, sometimes maybe he'd be like, oh, you know, maybe you know, maybe, but it's, it's just, you have to just take it as is. Cause maybe, maybe today I just feel like shit, you know what I mean? And it doesn't necessarily mean that I'm pregnant. So this is what she's getting from him. It's every time. And I think it's just creating more stress for her. She feels because he keeps putting this target on not target, but the spotlight on these symptoms and thinking it's because she's pregnant and then she's actually not pregnant. She feels like she's failing and she feels like she's letting him down. So again, this is another thing where it's like, okay, you can't put this pressure on her and yourself for that matter, because it's going to happen when you least expect it. So she says, if we do this, if we decide to wait um, to do the fertility clinic route and we do this, we continue naturally for the next few months. You can't keep asking me every time whether or not I'm pregnant. You just can't. She says it's, just, it's not going to make things easy for her. So he agrees that he will stop with that. He admits that he is impatient. Obviously, he's ready to be a father. So 
you know, but he acknowledges it and he says, I'll stop. Um, so she agrees with that in mind. She will try. Um, so yeah, they've resolved that situation. She does say that she, I think in her, in the moment that the longer they wait though, and they keep trying naturally, the the harder it's going to be for them to successfully get pregnant either way, whether it's natural or even using a donor egg. Um, so then the next topic on the docket is the comments that she made about the parenting style in his family. So she says, listen, I understand that maybe what I said might have come off as, you know, wrong and negative. And she says, that's not what I was trying to do. I'm trying to say. She just explains, and I can understand this, although I've heard stories about her teaching. I know all of this already, that she's like a bitchy teacher and she's not good, whatever. I've heard all those things. But with that aside, she says that, listen, as a teacher and as a helicopter mom, bless her son's heart, um, she says it's different um, from what you experienced. She says that she has seen how the choices can affect a child's upbringing and how they go through life. And she says, I've ultimately raised thousands of kids over the past 20 years of my career. Um, and she just says, like, I've seen how wrong choices can just really affect a child. Um, and this is why I said what I said in the car, that structure is so important. The right decisions are so important for the, a child's upbringing. Um, so he says that he understands what she's trying to say. And she acknowledges that, listen, this translator has really helped with their communication. Unfortunately, though, the translator cannot live with them 24 seven. So she does say, listen, if you learned English, you would understand more. Um, and I, I will say like, usually that would piss me off because they'd be like, well, we need to learn his language. But she has learned his language. And he's slowly, clearly starting to learn. And I know English is so much more difficult than learning Spanish. I have learned um I did I I did a Spanish class in, in when I was in grade 10. And it's not easy, but it's not difficult. Even as a person who speaks English, I still find my language very difficult. So I can't imagine for someone who, you know, English is not their first language. It's very difficult. Um, and uh, yeah, that's basically it, though. That's it for Danielle and Johan. And that's it for the other way for this week. But next time on, Wayne is taking mom and Holly to what basically looks like an African line safari. Now, for those people who don't live in Canada, who don't live in Ontario, um, African Lion Safari is basically what it sounds like. It's basically people going into their cars and driving around and looking at, you know, animals that are originally from Africa. Uh, except the only difference with 
where Wayne took them is there is no enclosures. So, and there's not really a lot of enclosures in African lion safari either, but at least you're protected from the lions. Now the monkeys and the ostriches, they're free. And they go right out to your car. Anyways, that's enough about African lion safari. But they're, um, they're first kind of freaking out a little bit. Holly makes this comments of, are we in Narnia? No, you're not in fucking Narnia. But I know she wasn't being serious, but she, you know, no, you're not in fucking Narnia. Anyways. Um, next we see that our cute little pup pup peed on Danielle. So, poor thing. Uh, poor dog. Um, <laughs> Shekinah is landing in Turkey. And Sharper's there waiting for her with flowers. He says that he normally never gets for any women. Um, Mary has baby fever. And y'all, did she just do a fucking pregnancy test? When the fuck did they all start fucking for her to start doing a pregnancy test? Oh my god. I mean, yes, I've heard the spoilers. I think I actually talked about one of the spoilers actually on one of the episodes with Brandon and Mary, but I'm just, I'm, I'm just, ow. Okay. Anyway. And the last thing, TJ and Kimberly are fighting about what exactly, I don't really know. Um, but this fight is happening right in front of her parents. And you kind of see this look on her mom's face of like, ooh, you know, but, but yeah, that's it for the other way for this week. So if you like what you heard, please share reality tea times two with everyone in your life. Please spread the word. We would love to be able to grow this podcast by just spreading it around to everybody. Also, you can rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. That also helps with the growth. Again, you can get this podcast on any of your favorite podcast apps. If you want to connect with us, you can do so by going to either Facebook, Instagram, or threads at Reality Tea Times. Two. You can also email us at realitytimes2 at hotmail.com. If you are an avid YouTube user, you can listen to this podcast on YouTube by going to realitytimes2. We have a website where you can listen to these episodes. That's all I can say for now, working on the website otherwise. Um, but that is now at our ACAST link, which you will find at the show notes as well. And I have a new podcast with my friend Mikkel called Next Take Podcast. The link for that podcast will be in the show notes along with everything else will be um, at the show notes. Well, that's it for now, guys. Thanks. Bye.
have you ever thought of starting your very own podcast? Doing the research, I found something that would have made editing easy and seamless and makes the podcasting experience just that much easier. And I am talking about Ludo. This is a podcast software that I use for our editing of our episodes. It is amazing. It is easy. You're also able to get help from chat, doing chats and getting the information that maybe you just need a little more help with. They also have access to different articles that can also help you that have been just godsends for me. Also with Aludu, you can create clips, you can do your ads, just like this very one I'm doing right now, and you can create your trailer very seamlessly just by the clicks of buttons. You can also use Aludu to publish your episodes just straight from the software. It's so easy. I highly, highly recommend it. You can get access to Aludu by using our unique link, which you can find our show notes just down there at the bottom at the show notes. And you can get access to an easy software 